Welcome to River of Life, and thank you for listening to this message today. If you enjoy this message, we want to encourage you to share it with a family member or friend. Also, visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For service times and directions, visit rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Kind of feels like we're having church, doesn't it? And I share with you one of a pastor's greatest fears. And that is after a worship service like that, he gets up and messes it up. So pray hard for your pastor today. Man, that was outstanding. Hallelujah. The title of my message this morning is just one word. It's the word epiphany. Epiphany. And it's a very important word in Scripture. I've spent a great deal of time studying this word, and this is the definition I'd like to give you. An epiphany uh, from the ancient Greek word epiphania, manifestation. Striking appearance is an experience. Remember that. Very important. It is an experience of a sudden and striking realization. Generally, now this is how the term is used today in our society. Generally, the term is used to describe a scientific breakthrough or religious or philosophical discovery. This was quite a long definition, but it went on to say this. The word epiphany originally referred to insight through the divine. God speaking. God revealing something. God showing something. And so, this morning, I want you to understand that the word epiphany, epiphania, in the Greek, is a biblical word of the highest order. That may sound like an exaggeration, but I think you'll agree with me in just a moment. It is often translated in the Bible as appearance or manifestation. When the Bible talks about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, it uses this word, epiphany. In fact, it presents it as the greatest epiphany of all times. You'll agree with me, won't you, that if the word means manifestation, if the word means appearance, if the word means revelation and illumination, there could never be a greater epiphany than the moment our dear Savior came into this world. He who knew no sin, came into this world to take on himself our sin. Wow. To reveal God. To show us who God is. John, in a most beautiful way, described it this way. 
He said, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John said when he showed up, he revealed the Father. He revealed all the truth, the glory, the grace of God. And Jesus himself once said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Wow, what an epiphany. What an amazing epiphany. But I also found three verses in the Bible that talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ. One of these glorious hallelujah days, he's coming back. The skies will roll back. The trumpet will sound. The voice of the archangel will be heard. And our dear Lord and Savior is coming back to planet Earth. Yeah, hallelujah. I found three verses that use the word epiphany to describe that event that we have to look forward to in the future. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Wow. The birth of Christ. The second coming of Christ. But child of God, did you know that the Bible tells us, teaches us, that we should be having epiphanies all the time. It should be ongoing in our Christian lives. There should be manifestations. There should be illuminations, revelations. Here, here's the verse. There are many I could read to you, but this is the one that just drives it home. These are the words of Jesus, John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and that's the word epiphany, and manifest myself to him. Wow. Jesus said, if you have my commandments and you keep my commandments, that means you love me. And if you love me, that means the Father loves you. And it means I love you. And it means I will manifest myself to you. That's some good stuff right there. And by the way, this is not talking about salvation. And yes, the moment your eyes were opened, the moment the Spirit of God was drawing you and pulling you, that could be described as an epiphany. But that's not what this is talking about. No. This is talking about those who are saved. Those who have met the master. Those who have his commandments. Those who study his commandments. Those who study his teachings. But they don't just study it. They keep his word. They do what it says do. And that is an indication that they really love the Lord. You know what love is, how love is described in the Bible? Keeping his commandments. That's how love is described. And, and what Jesus said was this. That those who do that, I will manifest myself to them. They will have epiphanies ongoing throughout their lives. Times of illumination. Times when the light just comes on. Uh, times of revelation. Have you... As a child of God, you and I should have 
many experiences where all of a sudden we know something that there's no reason for us to know it except the one who knows everything is in us and speaking to us and through us and all of a sudden we become aware of something. That's revelation. Manifestations. When something is manifested to you, uh, there is an appearance. God just shows up. In other words, he just keeps showing up. If you have my commandments and you keep my commandments, that means you love me. And that also means I'll just keep showing up. Pa- Pastor Blackie always prays when he we prays, Lord, please show up and show out. By the way, don't you want every worship service to be an epiphany? Don't you want it to be a manifestation, uh, uh, the appearing, the presence, the voice, the spirit of God moving in the house? Oh, I sure hope you didn't show up today just to hear me. You'll go away disappointed. But if you came hungry for an epiphany, for an awakening, for an enlightenment, for revelation, for an encounter. Oh, if we came for that, then you won't leave disappointed. Listen, one of the things I loved about the Brownsville Revival, back in those days when, and this church was born out of the Brownsville Revival, is we would travel all the way to Pensacola, Florida, because we believed we would have an experience, an epiphany, a revelation, a touch. You can use a dozen different words, but we believe something was going to happen. It wasn't just a matter of hearing something. So I want to give you a couple of illustrations that will help you better understand uh, the teachings of the Bible. Or I, maybe that's not exactly correct. I want to give you a couple of illustrations that will help you better understand the purpose of the Bible. What's the purpose of the Bible? Why was it written? Why was it given to us? Why do we have it? What's the end game of the Bible? So bear with me, but I'll begin my illustration by showing you a picture of my wife. There she is. That's not her best side, but there she is. (laughs) That's not a bad side. Somebody said, stop talking, Pastor. (laughs) There, There she is. Now, we were on vacation earlier this year. This is in Sequoia National Park in California. And the tree she's standing in front of is the largest tree in the world. General Sherman. That's the largest tree in the world. And, man, it was something. Just to stand there. But By the way, next slide. Now, that is my best side. <laughs> we, we, we're standing there. I, and, you know, you can't see much of the, the picture, 
But how do you take a picture of a tree that's almost 300 feet tall? Man, there was just something. I didn't want to leave. I wanted to just stand there. I felt like an ant. And, and we made plans. We, we went to AAA. We got the books. We read. By the way, now we saw some other things. We saw the Golden Gate Bridge and we saw the Grand Canyon and we traveled up the Pacific Coast Highway. And it was a, it was a great experience. But this is the reason that we went to California to see a tree. And I want to tell you, we spent thousands of dollars. We traveled thousands of miles. We drove up a steep mountain. Beth would close her eyes at times because it was so nerve-wracking. I was scared but didn't tell her I was scared. We drove up to over 6,000 feet in elevation in that mountain. Just to see this tree. And I want to tell you, it was worth every bit of it. It was worth it all. Because you see, a road map is never as much fun as the trip. Are you with me? Reading about something is never as good as experiencing it. You see, we had done all of that, but that's a moment in time I'll never forget because we experienced it. Listen, child of God, very important. There's sometimes I come to the pulpit in doubt, but not today. I am absolutely positively sure that God put this message on my heart for you to hear this. The Bible was given to us to tell us about what could happen and what truth is all about, to motivate us to pursue that truth. But we don't stop there. We don't stop until we experience the truth and we have an epiphany with God Almighty and the power of the Most High touches us and does a work in us. It's not enough just to study the Bible. Don't quit studying the Bible. We need it. By the way, the devil can give you an experience. So you have to study the Bible. You have to know the word of God so that you're, you're not misled. But you don't just study it and it becomes an end in itself. You have to be in pursuit of what the Bible teaches. And you don't stop until you're having the experience. Not just at salvation, but every day. And I have come to believe... That we should be having epiphanies every day. We should be hearing the voice every day, shouldn't we? (laughs) My sheep know me and they hear my voice. I know them. That's an epiphany. An awakening. Um, I wish I had some slides for this next illustration, but I don't. But I'll take you way back in time. I was 18 years old. I'd never been away from home. I got on a a bus in Tallahassee and went all the way to Fort Polk, Louisiana to go through basic training. And uh, I was a scared little boy. And, but I was also in love. 
I left my, my sweetheart back home. And that was the part that was the toughest. So what I did was take as many pictures of her as I could find. I took these pictures. I had some good-sized pictures, some smaller ones. I took these pictures. And when I got to Fort Polk, Louisiana, and the Army was very strict about some things, but what they would let us do is on the inside of our lockers, they would let us put pictures of family members up there. So I got some tape, and man, I just lined the inside of my locker with pictures of my girlfriend. I tell you, every day, two or three times a day, I'd open that locker and I'd look at those pictures. And I got to tell you, there were times when nobody was watching that I'd open that locker and I'd lean in and kiss that picture. I didn't get much out of it, but I kept doing that. I'd kiss that picture and long for the day that I'd be back home with my sweetheart. And, but let's just pretend for a moment. Let's just say I got back home with all my pictures. And when I got home, what if I... I know this is kind of ridiculous, but stay with me a moment because I think Christians do this. What if I were to say, you know, there's no need for me to call her. There's no need for me to go see her. There's no need for me to call her up and ask her for a date. I don't need that. I'll just every now and then kiss one of these pictures. That's all I need. That's all I need. Oh, friends, no, 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 a thousand times no. When I got back home, I put those pictures aside. And I mean, I wore the road out between my house and her house. I didn't want to kiss a picture anymore. I wanted to experience true love's kiss. And it was good. I would tell you about that, but that's none of your business. (laughs) And after 50 years of marriage, she's still my beautiful wife. relationship experience we had to take it from from one level to another level and and this is this is what i'm i'm saying to you child of god and that is if you are not experiencing what the bible teaches and what you're learning you're stopping short and it does not make sense 
It doesn't make sense. The whole purpose of the Bible was written for you and for me to learn the truth, study the truth, be motivated toward the truth, to be hungry for the truth, to pursue the truth, and then have an encounter with holy God. I tell you, this is true of our church or any church. Any church that does this is in failure mode. The church is in failure mode when it substitutes knowledge for experience. A church is in failure mode when it substitutes learning for living. When it substitutes knowing the truth for experiencing the truth. See, when you experience the truth, when you have an epiphany, when he is manifesting himself to you, giving you enlightenment. Oh, that's where it's at. Now, don't walk out of here and say, Pastor doesn't believe in Bible study anymore. Oh, I, I think we should study it more than we do. I think we should teach it more than we do. I think we should preach it more than we do. But I'm telling you, if you stop short of the experience, the epiphany, the revelation, the manifestation that our Lord and Savior has promised, you're stopping too short. You're stopping too short. Think about it. This is common sense, isn't it? Isn't it common sense that experience has to be of the highest priority for the church? So what would you think of me as a pastor? I'm just throwing this out there. What would you think of me as a pastor if I told you, I want to teach you all about salvation, but it's not necessary that you experience it. Come on. Come on. Where's common sense? Do you need to know what the Bible says about salvation? Do you need to know thus saith the Lord? Do you need to understand the doctrine and theology? Yes. But if you don't get to the experience... It's all wasted. I mean, think about this. The peace of God that passes all understanding. You can teach that all day long. But it will not compare to experiencing the peace of God that passes all understanding. It it won't even compare to that moment. That you are overshadowed by the power of the Holy Spirit and every lie the devil's telling you falls by the wayside and you have that peace of God that passes all understanding. Teach it all day long. I'm for that. Oh, experience it. You you see, I mean, think, think about this. Let's just pretend. And I'm going to really get out there. Let's just pretend that I'm the greatest preacher and teacher in all the world. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for those lies. I mean, those compliments. Um, Just pretend like I'm the greatest preacher and teacher in all the world. Let's go beyond that. Let's pretend that you are the greatest students in all the world. So I'm the greatest teacher, preacher. You're the greatest students and learners in all the world. And I take us through a whole series on the joy of the Lord. Are you with me? And when we finish, since I'm the greatest and you're the greatest, when we finish, 
You can quote every verse on the joy of the Lord. You can, you can define every Greek and Hebrew word on the joy of the Lord that deals with the joy of the Lord. You can analyze it. You can break it down. And you yourself can teach it. Are you with me? None of that matters if you don't have the joy of the Lord. You got to experience it. It, it. It's something you experience. Well, l- let, me, let me give you, a, I've had two epiphanies this past week. Uh, one of them was good and glorious and the other one was painful. By the way, epiphany can be painful. Don't you think for a moment that everything the Lord says to you feels good. Come on, have we we been deceived? For whom the Lord loves, he chastens even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Sometimes you can have an epiphany and be in tears by the time it's over with. Sometimes you'll be on your face repenting. I had a glorious epiphany and I had a painful epiphany. First, the glorious one. I shared this in length with the staff and my family. But the glorious epiphany I had is I had a spiritual dream. Now, if you don't believe in spiritual dreams, just a word to the wise. If you don't believe in spiritual dreams, when you get to heaven, don't talk to Joseph and Mary. Don't, don't tell them because the Bible says and the angel of the Lord appeared to them in a dream. Multiple people in the Bible had dreams. Well, the other night I went to bed and in my dream, I, I mean, I had a dream. And I don't remember most of my dreams, but my spiritual dreams are real crystal clear. And this one was crystal clear. And somebody said, come on, I want you to go somewhere with me. And I said, I don't want to go. And they said, we want you to go anyway. And I said, well, I, I don't want to go. And they said, we insist. I said, okay, let's go. So they took me to a place. I had no idea where I was going. They opened the door and I walked through that door. And in my dream, I stepped into the presence of God. I was in heaven. I don't know what heaven is like, but it's, but, but it's got to be like this. Not a word was said inside of that room, but it was like all the glory and all the blessings and all the grace and the character of God was just kind of just penetrating me. It was, I just wanted to just stand there and it just kept coming and there were waves of glory and, and, and listen to this. I, I wish Brother Bill Jenkins was here. He's preaching somewhere else this morning. I wish he were here to hear this. And then for some reason, I left. Now, first of all, why would anybody leave? But I left. But in my dream, I was supposed to leave. And the moment I left, nothing else in the world mattered to me when I walked out of that room except helping other people to get through that door. That's the only thing. It was like a driving, compelling force that I'd never felt before. And I remember walking up to people and saying, I want you to go somewhere with me. And they'd say, I don't want to go. I don't care whether you want to go or not. You got to go. This is not optional. And then I would take them and get them through the door. And I'd say, see? See how this feels? And then I'd go get somebody else. That is an epiphany. That is a revelation. That is an enlightenment. I, I, I felt like the Lord was saying, come on, we need to get back to what matters most. Now, the other epiphany I had was uh, very painful. I won't go into detail, but this past week was very stressful to me. 
I've preached some sermons on passing the test and being dead to sin and dead to things like that. And yet, this past Wednesday, I realized that I had made some mistakes in leadership in this church. And we have one of the most wonderful staffs on the planet. I tell you what. Thank God for, the, for, for your leadership in this church. But I made some decisions that involved the staff that were not in alignment with God's will. N- nothing, n- nothing necessarily sinful. It was just out of the will of God. And I went to bed with a check in my spirit. And I did something. By the way, I highly recommend this to you. Uh, but you better have your big boy pants on when you do this. I got up in the middle of the night. I went into my living room, I got a pencil, and I got before the Lord, and I said, Lord, please show me everything that I've done wrong in this last week. Don't do that unless you're ready. <laughs> unless you are really ready. Don't. I said, Lord, please show me everything. And you know the first thing the Lord pointed out to me? By the way, I wrote a whole page of stuff. I still have it in my life. I wrote a whole page of stuff that God said wrong, 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 wrong. You know what? One of the first things the Lord said to me was you've been making decisions and you haven't even been talking to me about those decisions. You're the senior pastor of this church. You're making decisions that affect the life of this church, the direction of this church. And you made decisions this week and you didn't even talk to me about it. Wow. Are you feeling sorry for me right now? Because I'm telling you what. I, I had a trip to the woodshed. And the Lord chastised me. By the way, the next morning I was apologizing to staff members. I, and I had to do this. I literally went in and said, every decision I've made this week is off the table. It was wrong. And I did say this. I, I, I said, I'm not saying every decision was wrong, but I'm saying every decision was made the wrong way. And therefore, we need to go back and pray about every decision. Th- these are epiphanies. Now, by the way, I really do encourage you. Sit down. Get before the Lord. Make a list. Ask the Lord what you're doing wrong. Ask, ask the Lord what you need to do. To change how you make things right. These are epiphanies. By the way, I want to give you one more. And that is 18 years ago, a man said that he had a revelation, a manifestation. He didn't call it an epiphany, but that's what it was. And he said, God told him. Now, he told me this 18 years ago. He said, this is what what the Lord told me. The Lord told me two things, and both of them were miraculous. And... And I thought, well, that's amazing. Just the other day, that same man reminded me. He said, you remember what I told you 18 years ago? I said, I do. He said, both of those miracles have come to pass. Both of those miracles. What what I'm trying to tell you is this. You can't be in enough Bible studies to sustain you for 18 years. learning, Learning is not enough. Knowledge is not enough. The Bible even refers to that. It says they are ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Meaning they don't ever actually embrace the truth. They're just always learning the truth. 18 years. 
ago, he told me, and then he told me just a few days ago. I'm just asking you, are you having epiphanies? Are you having moments of revelation? Are you having moments when God is talking to you? When he's showing himself to you? You say, Pastor, I want to. I just don't know how. I'm going to give you three verses very quickly and then we'll close. This is how. Are you ready? You can at least write the reference down. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You see, friends, if you want manifestations and revelations and epiphanies, you have to hunger for it. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, and you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks will find. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Do you hear me, child of God? You can't be passive. You have to be hungry. You have to be in search mode. You have to be asking. I I won't go into it now, but I I was telling my family not long ago that a few years back I went to bed. And only one time in my life has this ever happened. But I said when I went to bed that night, I said, Lord, would you please give me a spiritual dream tonight? And that night I saw the glory of God. I actually saw the light of the glory of God. I wanted it. I was seeking for it. I was in pursuit of it. I'm telling you, sometimes coming to church is a struggle. Sometimes going to a Bible study is a struggle. Let me tell you, it ceases to be a struggle when God shows up. When the glory of God shows up. Would you bow with me in prayer? As the team comes back to the stage... Father, I want to thank you for letting me preach this word. I I want to thank you, Father, for the greatest epiphany of all times, your son coming into the world. And for the greatest epiphany in our future, the return of your son. But Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful that you said that if we have your commandments, if we study them, if we search them out, And we don't just study it. We keep those commandments. And then we we go all the way through that experience, Lord. You said that that means we love you because we're doing something. We're keeping your commandments. You said you would manifest yourself to us. You'd give us epiphanies. Father, I pray that you'll begin to open the eyes of every person here. and Put a hunger in our hearts for the things of God, for the glory of God, for the word of God, just to hear a word from you, Lord, even if it's correction. Lord, Lord, we understand that even when you correct us, it's just for a moment, but afterward it brings forth the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Now, Father, as we go into this invitation, I pray that you'll put every one of us in this house in hunger mode, search mode, asking and seeking mode. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today at River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email at 
info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to check out River of Life this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.